Howdy, this is Alex Dorr, and today we'll be mapping functional mushrooms on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix Special Nutrition Therapy Series, where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. The 15-Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons which highlight the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition, and that's the functional matrix. The functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in our clinical care. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Alex Dorr. Alex is the founder and CEO of the functional mushroom company, Mushroom Revival, Inc. Alex co-hosts the number one mushroom podcast in the world, the Mushroom Revival Podcast, alongside his loving partner, Lara Nimaki. After earning his degree in mycology, Alex authored the book, Microremediation Handbook, a grassroots guide to growing mushrooms and cleaning up toxic waste with fungi. He was recently nominated as one of Austin Inno's 25 Under 25. Hey, Alex, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thanks for having me on. So I want to jump right in today with a broad question. What does mycoremediation mean? The easiest answer is they, it's the process of using fungi to clean up toxic waste in our environment, whether that is you know chemical pollutants like petroleum hydrocarbons, like an oil spill, or biological contaminants like E. coli in a waterway, or things like heavy metals. So different ways to do that, but the more metaphysical answer is any mushroom that supports health or wellness, whether it is to the planet or to human bodies. I view functional mushrooms as kind of a metaphysical form of microremediation. if you can stretch that definition a little bit. Yeah, interesting. So when you use that term, functional mushrooms, what does that mean? It sounds like they're kind of interlinked, but that means that they have a function in the environment, also in our bodies. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's the more stretched definition. When you hear the phrase functional mushrooms, usually that is for health and wellness in the human body. And so there's estimated 5 million species of fungi, and really only 120 of thousand of those have been described. So really, we're just starting to figure out what are fungi, you know, what is on our planet in terms of fungal abundance. And out of those 120,000, only 14,000 of those actually produce mushrooms. Like we know a cap and stem, the emoji on your phone or you see in the grocery store. And out of those 14,000, I would say 4% 
can be used for food or functional wellness. So really, it's such a small fraction. Then here in North America, most of our culture is pretty mycophobic. So we don't have a rich history of using mushrooms. And a lot of that history has been wiped out. A lot of the Native American uses have been unfortunately wiped out. And so a lot of our uses now, we kind of have to start from scratch and dig into historical use and learn from a lot of Asian countries, which have more of a intact history with these functional mushrooms. And so we're newbies to this field and it's up to pioneers to educate and make it accessible to the masses. It's so interesting. There's often this term that comes to mind, which is a name of an old movie from the 80s. But like, I always think of Back to the Future, right? When we talk about our being newbies and pioneering forward with knowledge about a substance from our earth that was used and utilized in ancient healing cultures. That's just so fascinating to me that we lose our way and have to find our way back. Right. You know, there's estimated over 300 different functional benefits from functional mushrooms, but the main two are their adaptogenic qualities. So adaptogens are just herbs or mushrooms that help support our body's natural ability to deal with occasional stress and fatigue. And they're amazing. And they're getting a lot of hype now, which is amazing. I think everyone could use some adaptogens in this high-paced modern culture. We're constantly bombarded by stimulus and occasional stress. So adaptogens really help. And then the other kind of aspect that functional mushrooms are well known for is they're supporting qualities for our immune system. They're packed with these polysaccharides, notably 1316-beta-glucans that are amazing for supporting our immune systems. And so those are the main two kind of reasons why people utilize functional mushrooms, but specifically, you know, cordyceps is a great energy support. If you want to get off coffee without the jitters or the crash, it's a great natural energy support or lion's mane known as the brain mushroom helps support cognitive function, memory, tremella is used in a lot of skincare, can hold up to 500 times its weight in water. And so each mushroom has its own specialty tool in its tool belt, but I'd say adaptogenic qualities and immune support are the main reasons why people are running towards functional mushrooms. Yeah, I love this. And I love that you mentioned some of the mushrooms. I'm curious about others that are in your toolbox as favorites. And I know just in thinking about functional mushrooms, we certainly see all the mushroom coffees, coffee replacements. Like you said, it's getting more play these days. There are more companies bringing these forward into our supplemental regimes. Back when my husband was sick with his brain tumor 20 years ago before he passed away, we were really learning about the beta-glucans and utilizing mushrooms for their immune purposes. So what you're saying just rings so much truth for the work we do. But you mentioned cordyceps, lion's mane, which in the Pacific Northwest, we can get fresh lion's mane to use. Tremella, are there other favorites that you have as go-tos in your own tool belt? We typically use 10 with our company Mushroom Revival. So we use cordyceps, we use the lion's mane, we use the tremella. Reishi is another popular one that I didn't talk about. And that, you know, is known for 
its adaptogenic qualities, but also it's packed with these triterpenes or ganoderic acids, which help support our body's natural inflammation response post-workout or other like activities and really help us wind down at the end of the day and prepare our body's natural transition to a good night's sleep, right? And so reishi is a powerhouse and it's a beautiful mushroom called the 10,000 year mushroom, rated as the number one herb in traditional Chinese herbalism. One of my favorite mushrooms of all time. There's chaga, which is a conch, not technically a mushroom, but that's getting too far in the weeds <laughs> Technical? there. Shita- <laughs> Interesting, shiitake. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah shiitake is amazing, and, and that's also a, an amazing gourmet mushroom, just like mm-hmm. lion's mane as well. Maitake, another gourmet and also functional mushroom as well. Turkey tail, poria cocos is another kind of taxonomical black sheep. It's technically a sclerotia, not technically a mushroom, but a lot of people just call it a mushroom just for ease of use. And then Mishima, those are the 10 fungal allies that we use in our products, but there's so many more. The problem is where we're coming from is that most 99.9% of people in the United States and North America are not familiar with like any of these. Right. And so we didn't want to go beyond 10 to overwhelm people. And so just sticking with the amount you know, how many fingers are on your hands and not going above that and just really honing down on what are they, what are they good for, and how do we incorporate in people's normal routines, right? Because I want as many mushrooms in people's bodies as possible. And so how do we balance, you know, making really high quality stuff that's backed with science, but educate people in a way that is really grounded, really accessible, and just build that bridge where people can cross over to the mushroom world. I feel really proud of myself at this moment that I know eight out of 10 of these that I'm familiar with and regularly use. I'm wondering about the utilization of the fresh mushroom, whether it's making a reishi tea or that shiitake, the gourmet benefits, or I like working with maitake and lion's mane um, in food ways. Is there a difference between working with the fresh cultivated What's the word there? Is it cultivated? Yeah, (laughs) I'll go through it. So this is a really good topic that, you know, I could talk about for many, many hours, but I'll I'll just wrap up. (laughs) I'll wrap it up in, in kind of the most important points for a consumer if they're looking to go towards functional mushrooms. So that's good mushrooms, good extraction, good certifications, and a good dose. And so good mushrooms, it's only really a phenomenon in North America specifically the United States, where producers will make something called mycelium on grain. And so that's just a fancy way of saying the roots of the mushroom growing on kind of a filler media, whether it's rice or oats, things like that. I won't get too much in the weeds, but all that we can see from modern science, from dozens of different scientific articles, from dozens of years, show that the mycelium or the roots of the mushrooms have a fraction of the compounds compared to the actual mushrooms, or a lot of people will call them fruiting bodies. You can think of it like the fruit of an apple tree, and the mycelium is like the roots of the apple tree. Hmm. And so they're a fraction of the main functional compounds that you want. And so a lot of producers will do it because it's a lot cheaper, it's faster, you can get a lot more biomass per square foot. And so for a business, you get better profits. And so a lot of people will buy these thinking it's mushrooms, but there's actually no mushrooms in that product. So 
if you're looking for functional mushrooms, make sure it's the actual fruiting body or the actual mushroom itself. And with that, most producers will use the dried version and a lot of herbalists as well. There's a few exceptions, like if you're working with like milky oats or something like that. But with mushrooms, most of the time you're going to dry it before you extract it. And that goes on to our next topic, good extraction. So functional mushrooms have polar and non-polar compounds in it. So alcohol-soluble or fat-soluble compounds and water-soluble compounds. And to get the best of all the compounds in it so it's actually bioavailable to the body, so our bodies can actually use these goodies inside, we need to use something called dual extraction. So using polar and non-polar solvents. So you should look for that dual extraction on the label of any product that you're doing. And so just the, making a tea, although a tea is great and I love tea, you're only getting half of the compounds in a certain mushroom. So a tincture is kind of full spectrum and a lot of powders will do kind of a tincture and then spray dry it. So they'll make a powder version of a tincture, which is kind of interesting. And so that is super, super important. And then it goes into the third camp, which is good certification. So making sure it's USDA certified organic, it's lab tested. A lot of people want to buy local, which is great. And you know, if it's overseas or local, it's important to look at the lab results. And I've seen really, really dirty farms in the US and really dirty farms overseas. And I've seen extremely clean, incredibly high standard farms overseas and the same locally or in the US or North America. And so it doesn't really matter where it's from as long as you can see what's inside. So how many heavy metals are in there? What are the levels of these functional compounds? Is it CGMP compliant, non-GMO? You know, all these different certifications, that's really important to have. Making sure it's not made in, in some guy's basement kitchen right. or something. Um, and, you know, not wearing gloves and, he, and just throwing whatever chemicals in there and things like that. So... The last section is dose. There is a misconception in the functional mushroom community that you need one gram a day. I have no idea where it started, but a lot of people seem, they're convinced that if I'm going to have functional mushrooms, I need one gram. So this goes back to the first camp of good mushrooms. Say that you have a gram of this mycelium on grain, right? So there's a lot of studies that show that for certain compounds, like the 1316 beta glucans that we were just talking about, for cordyceps, for example, there's up to 400 times more of these compounds in the actual mushroom compared to the mycelium on grain. So one gram of this mycelium on grain can have 400 times less of these compounds in it. So one gram doesn't really mean much. It's the same weight, but what's actually inside the good stuff, the functional compounds that you're looking for can be a fraction of what you need. And so we're... I believe one of the first, if not the first, to actually have QR codes on our labels where people can scan and, and actually see our lab results and see what's inside. And so if you're hitting good mushrooms and you're making sure they're actual mushrooms, they're dual extracted, they have good certifications, the dose, I would probably most likely trust their suggested dose on the label. But again, every person is different. Every body is different and everyone's sensitivity is different for certain things. So finding the right dose for you, I think is really important. Everyone's different. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this speaks to the principles of functional nutrition and, of course, the principles of orthomolecular medicine, where it's all dose-dependent, which I love. Quick question, just in terms of finding that dose, are there things we should be tuning into? I'm big on tracking how we are so tuned into our bodies that we know I need more, I need less, this works for me, this doesn't work for me. I'd like to think about it as nonviolent communication with self, right? right. How do we listen into our bodies. What are we listening for when we are dosing mushrooms? Well, that goes back to what are you using it for? There's over 300 functional benefits of these functional mushrooms. So what one of those 300 benefits are you aiming for, right? And what, like how big of a difference are you looking for? And that will determine your dose. And so there are lots of great trackers like the Aura Ring or you know, I'm not sponsored by them or, you know, a lot of other biohacking tools, which you can actually see if you're using Reishi for a good night's rest, like what is my REM sleep? And two weeks after taking Reishi, what does that look like? So that's an easy method, might be cost prohibitive for some people. So maybe just a muscle test, if that works for you or just tuning into your body and just feeling, am I more energetic and trying to put placebo aside as hard as that is. And that could be for most people what they do. And one step beyond that is these at-home test tools. And then beyond that, maybe would be getting like blood tests from your doctor. If that's what you're looking for, that could be another way that people can test, you know, is this working? Yeah. I've seen actually tremendous benefits in people with low white blood counts, really bringing in some key medicinal mushrooms, along with other support. Of course, it's never just one thing, but really being able to see a difference in that leukopenia changing into a state where we do see a rise in the white blood count into a functional range, which is what we want to be able to be resilient, especially in today's day and age. Absolutely. So any final notes, Alex, on what you wish coaches and clinicians and practitioners knew about good mushrooms and their use in clinical care? I think the mycelium on grain versus fruiting bodies is a very big concept. You know, there's a lot of false information going on out there. And if anyone wants to dive deeper on that, there are plenty of clinical studies out there and scientific articles talking about this. And there isn't any that I've found that say the opposite. And unfortunately, a lot of clinicians go off hearsay sometimes, unfortunately. And, and that is kind of a rumor that has been going on that it is unfortunate. So just following those four things, I think is super important to finding the right thing. And one thing that I didn't talk about is the environmental aspect. So most mushrooms, they produce a lot of CO2. And when you're growing mushrooms, usually they're grown in a five pound block and they produce about 2.5 pounds of CO2 each block. And sometimes, you know, whether it's grown domestically in whatever country you're practicing in or overseas, I mean, you are making a lot of CO2 and you'll probably have to get supplies from other countries. Even if you're growing in the US, you'll have to get your Petri plates, your bags, your XYZ. And so, partnering with a company that is cognizant of that and is making strides towards, you know, we plant trees, right? So every product we sell, we plant a tree and we planted over 43,000 trees around the world. 
to be net positive, right? And I think that is an important aspect that is not in a lot of conversations. Most people are only focusing on ingredient equals benefit, but the world's on fire right now. And we have to make some sort of effort <laughs> into making a difference. And so partnering with companies as well that also have that initiative is, I think, really important. Such important work. Thank you so much for sharing the information and all your wisdom and work with us, Alex. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 